0: Hawkeye Hangout here, and we are here to talk Hawkeye football for the next hour, hour and a half, whatever, wherever this show takes us. This is going to be all about you tonight, folks. Uh, Oftentimes, this show, which is usually an evening show during the middle of the week, um, usually this show features a special guest or uh, usually a special guest, right? We've had former Hawkeye Tavian Banks on recently. We had Chuck Hartley on. We've had uh, people in the Iowa media tonight it's all about you we're going to talk everything hawkeye football is there hope for the iowa offense that's the question that we're going to start our discussion off with and certainly we can take this a variety of directions and as you can see on the screen you have multiple ways you can join the show one being by telephone um and it looks like uh, maybe we had somebody just try to call and the phone line is now open so uh let me make sure that uh, we're good there. I think we are. Um, so you may have called just a split second before I got the phone line up and working. But again, the number is 515-635-1601. 515-635-1601. And yes, is there hope? Is there a hope? Brian Ferentz speaking to the Iowa media today. I was uh, pleased to be a part of that press conference, and uh, I give Brian credit. He owned up to, or at least I I think he he properly placed a degree of blame on the quarterback position, and that's something that uh, I don't really know that Iowa has been quick to do. They've been much more uh, apt to blame the offensive line, and you know, we continue to hear that the pieces around Spencer need to be better, which is absolutely the case. We talked about it on the postgame show with Coach Patterson the other night. That's absolutely true. But at some point, the buck does stop with the coordinator and the quarterback. Those are your two most important individuals as it relates to the offense. I don't care what uh, offense you're talking about. Um, Iowa was included. I, I still, be- I, I know that other people don't agree with that. There are some people that would tell you that the offensive line is the most important part of an Iowa offense. I happen to think it's the guy who is uh, taking care of supposed to be taking care of everything pre-snap and the guy who can potentially make up for an offensive line that is struggling. And this is an offensive line that struggled all of last year. And you want to talk about them improving in the bowl game. We did not see any of that carry over to Saturday's game against South Dakota State. So, What does that mean moving forward? Does Iowa have an opportunity this week to turn things around? Are we going to see a 180? Are we going to see Spencer throwing the ball all over the yard and LaShawn Williams running for big yardage? We get Gavin Williams back this week from injury. That's huge. Will that mean something? That's the question that uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on and certainly along the way offer some insight that I have into... The situation that is the Iowa offense let's start out our night with a call thank you for calling and they're gone um hopefully the phone line is working folks I've had uh, a couple people call in now and uh, the line goes dead so uh, try again if you are trying let's try it again thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the storm who's on the line hello can you hear me thank you for calling from the Hawkeye
1: of the storm Oh
0: yes, can you hear me? You're on the air.
2: Yeah, this is uh, Hawkeye Bernie from Iowa City. Um, so I just have I mean, the offense is not doing so hot, and just being hypothetical here. I mean, what, what would you rather have? Uh, elite QB, elite wide receivers, or an elite offensive line? I kind of know what I would like, but I mean, just like where? What, what would fix this offense?
0: what would fix this offense well i don't think uh, i think the, the one caveat here that we have to establish before we go into that discussion and it's a good question um but i would say the one caveat is you're not going to fix the offense with one or the other um now which one would make the biggest difference i as i led the show off with i believe the biggest difference would be made with better quarterback play and certainly wide receiver play has not been good this is a multi-level issue since saying that since, I mean, I literally remember having this exact conversation in January after the Citrus Bowl, having this conversation with Coach John Patterson that this offense is not going to be quote-unquote fixed with, uh, oh, you know, we got just got to get better on the interior and we've got to, you know, we're going to go through strength and conditioning. No, we, we need some personnel changes. You need changes with play calling. It's a number of things. But I do believe that right now what Iowa needs is a jolt at quarterback and the offensive line is what it is. I don't I don't have an explanation as to why it's it's not better or at least it didn't show to be better on Saturday. Um, I hate to think that it's because of Chris Doyle. You know, I know we that got brought up during the show on Saturday, him being gone now for two years. Um, but yeah. I would say quarterback play is a bigger concern and, and would make the biggest jump if you can get a jolt there.
2: I mean, with the Chris Doyle thing, I mean the offensive line, they just don't look tough out there. I mean, this is this is Iowa. Like, I feel like we shouldn't be even having this problem. And I feel like, I mean, Chris Doyle, I mean, I feel like he put a lot more toughness into him. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Spencer by any means. But, I mean, he missed throws when he had the time. But, I mean, offensive line, I, I mean, I, I just don't know. Like, I mean, you can't – if you were to – if you, even if we had Sean Green back there, I do not think we would even get – three yards of carry. I mean, there was just no holes. And, I mean, Brian is just going to keep on making us run up the middle. I mean, I just don't think – it's just not the game plan. I don't know.
0: I, I, I understand where you're coming from, and I think that your frustrations are valid. And, mm-hmm. you know, we hear um, – you know, every time we see this offense struggle, and I'm talking about almost every week last year and certainly – week one this year we we hear the excuse and I, I hate to say excuse and I think the coaching staff believes it's a reason that injuries mm-hmm. have really been a problem and I believe that to be true I know a lot of these younger yeah. guys Jennings Dunker and Bo Stevens a lot of those guys were banged up last year David David Cobb you know he's not with the team right now I mean, he's an example you think of a guy he, who,
2: he'll even play I mean no he's been no he's done problems for,
0: he's done for the like year.
2: For, for, well yeah yeah but like moving forward I mean he's been out how long has he been here for two three years now
0: no this is just his second year he enrolled early last year as a true freshman yeah but no (laughs) i have no idea his situation Uh, i know it's a a, a, i believe it's a personal thing i don't know if it's directly related to health that's been kind of kept on the down low and that's fine that's his business um but my i guess my point is they have had attrition and that that line class in 2021 you've heard me talk about it hawkeye bernie that uh that line class was a solid class with Stevens and Dunker and David Cobb and Colby it was a really good class. I mean, a lot of yeah, higher no, sure rated far. kids. But you know, is it because of guys not being able to develop due to injury, or is it because they're not being developed due to not having? I mean, I, I haven't seen a lot of development since George Barnett has gotten here. I'm not going to place the blame solely on him, but it is a, a multifaceted situation. You lose Brian Ference as your O line coach, who now moves to play calling position. You lose Chris Doyle. You hire a guy from the Mac. I just don't know where, where do you point there. What's the uh, what's the difference? But there is a difference with I- Iowa offensive line play in the last two years. That's for sure.
2: No, no, I agree. Um, I mean, if I were to have one more question, uh, I, to bring up the Brian Ferent uh, Zoom meeting, I I was able to hear you get in a couple questions, and uh, you know, I appreciate you. Um, I wouldn't say you know, the other reporters are. Off, but I mean, like, yeah, you got you got straight to your point. I mean, I guess Brian is also very good at redirecting and kind of like shaded away from a, a lot of the questions, but I mean, what, what, what did you take overall from that Zoom meeting?
0: Well, I tweeted it out. I don't know if you, you're on Twitter, but I did tweet out my one big takeaway, and that was I did see Brian Ferentz make a concerted effort to put his quarterback on the spot. And I I really do feel like Kirk and Brian have went out of their way these last two years. And I understand it to some extent, they've went out of their way to protect Spencer Petrus because I think they understand that regardless of the reason why they believe he's the best guy, they understand that criticism is coming from every direction, from the media, from fans. I I think, I think even opposing, you know, there's been some things that have been said with opposing coaches in the big 10. And so I think they felt the need to really go to bat for him and defend him. And let's be honest, he's a, what, a fourth-year guy now, fifth-year guy? I think he's a fourth-year guy. Uh, he's a yeah, big boy. He, he can defend himself. And I think I think Brian recognizes the fact that, hey, you know, we got to start holding our guys accountable publicly. And that doesn't mean you're throwing him under mm-hmm. the, the bus, but I think it was a good PR move by Brian today. Because I don't think there's any question, Kirk and Brian understand, and they have understood that Spencer Petrus is a part of the issue. Um, but they also yeah. understand that they're a part of the issue, and if they don't understand that, then we got serious issues. But my, yeah. my point is, I think they understand the need to be account, hold Spencer Petrus a- accountable publicly without trashing the kid. And I thought Brian did a good job of that today. Other than that, yeah, no, there I wasn't anything earth shattering. The question I had, my main question for Brian. Was at what point do you say we need to make a change? And I figured he would answer the way he did because yes, yeah, I guess it's a hypothetical question because Spencer Petras has went for one touchdown and eight picks in in what the last few games yeah, right, that lot. he's played. Yep. So uh-huh. obviously, it's you know that's not the you know the answer is not performance because he hasn't played well. So what is the answer? That's that's why kind of what I was asking. And uh, you know Brian I didn't think the, the answer from Brian was a bad answer. I just didn't think, I thought he did a nice job of um, redirecting it. Again, not, not trying to take a shot at Brian, but it was, it's not really what you, uh, you, I felt the need to ask the question.
2: Yeah. and I I hate to throw the, I mean, it feels like Spencer just has like the yips out there and, you know, I mean, I was at the game, the first game and, you know, I mean, the whole place is is booing the kid and and I hate that. I I don't know how you could, throw a 20-yard pass when it feels like the entire state of Iowa almost feels like, I mean, they're, they're cheering for him to, to lose out there. And, you know, I just hate that they, I mean, Brian and Kirk even put him in situation in the first place. Uh, I mean, when that change will come, I don't know, but I mean.
0: Yeah. I'll say this. And to those who are trying to call, I know some people are trying to call in right now. If the call in, if you're not getting through, that means the call in line's busy. You can still join the show. Um, by uh, clicking the StreamYard chat or the StreamYard, StreamYard URL in the, in the uh, description below. But my point is, uh, yes, and to answer your question, um, I don't think the fans were booing. I know somebody said that had a lot of people respond to this. Uh, I had a video, as you know, the other day about uh, the fans booing and is it, is it okay to boo? And I, I, I would never. Personally, yeah. I'm never going to boo. That's just who I am. But I also understand a paying mm. fan why they're frustrated. I don't believe they're booing Spencer Petras. I think in general... Fans who were at the game Saturday were booing the decision by the coaching staff to not make a change. And yeah. regardless of, of why the booing booing happened, as that video that I published pointed out, you've waited eight months and you spent money and made arrangements to be there on a Saturday. And you're seeing the same, if not worse, that you saw last year. So I, mm, I'd be pissed, yeah. man. I, I'd just be, I'd be ticked. And... Yeah. I, you know, I'm not a season ticket holder. We, we plan on attending a couple games this year, but I, I mean, if I was a season ticket holder, I'd be upset. I'm, I'm, I'm to some extent, I'm upset as a fan. I'm upset as it is okay. now, um, but I understand why people are dropping thousands. Would be upset, absolutely.
2: Yeah, I agree. All right, that's all I have to say. Thank you, Corey.
0: All right, sir. Appreciate the call. And yes, again, if you were not able to get through feel free to call back. Um, the number is 515-635-1601. We only have the the one line open. So if you're, you're if we have somebody on the line, just wait till they get off the line and then uh, give us a call or you can hop on by video. You don't have to have your video on. You can choose to have your video off. Uh, but you can find the link in the description below to join the show that way. Um, I do want to get to some of the chats. I know I've not even addressed any of them so far, so I apologize. Good to see a nice group here. ZJ, Brian, Cole, Ray is here. Dennis is here. Um, Fast Outdoor Food is here. Joe Welsh. Pat says we could have easily had another 10 points last week. Fumble at the four-yard line and missed field goal due to timing and snap of hold. So, yes, some hope for the offense to score some points good attitude Pat I think you're you're right at some point they're gonna score points right I don't think uh, you know people who say oh, I'll take the over under at three uh, come on can, can we uh, let, let's be real here I don't think there's uh, any question that the offense will start scoring some points now. You know, you, you you score Pat you scored fourteen points. Even if they had scored fourteen points on Saturday, that's still a pretty poor performance against an FCS defense. I think we can agree with that. So they're gonna score some points against Iowa State to win. I don't know how many. I think it'll be low scoring. I think both teams will dominate this game defensively. Um but yeah, the fumble was a, a, a part of that. I guess I haven't looked back at, at the snap and hold issue um on Saturday, Pat. Um I did see the miss from from Aaron Blom, but I, I didn't notice an an issue with the snap so uh, maybe that was commented on and i missed it but uh, the offense will score more more points all right but that doesn't mean it'll be enough and um, all i know is that defense was about as good as you can get on saturday and you you outscore your offense and you outscore the opposing offense that's what's incredible iowa the iowa defense not only outscored its own offense but it outscored South Dakota State's offense. That's just an incredible stat. I mean, they score the four points, um, and it was enough to get it done. Just, just an incredible uh, number. Um, Chad is here as well. Good to see you, Chad. Corning Cattle. Gary is here, and yes, Gary, thank you for doing this. If you're here and you're in, you are new to the show, or or maybe perhaps you. Uh, you found us by means of the post game show and uh, whatever the case may be, if you're a longtime listener, please hit that thumbs up button. Just scroll down for a second, whether you're looking at it on a mobile, watching the show on a mobile phone or you're uh, watching it on your computer. I know it's harder when you're on a smart TV, but please hit that like button. It does help us in the algorithm and it helps the channel to to grow. James says, what do you think of Brian Ferentz comments today? I think I did address that James. Um, if you have a further question on that, certainly I can take that. For now, let's get to our next call. Thank you for calling from Hawkeye of the storm. Who's on the line?
1: Hi, this is uh, Hawkeye Snoop. Hawkeye Snoop. How's, how's it going, Corey? I'm good. How are you, sir? Good. I noticed one thing from the game, and I was wondering if I could get your take on it. Sure. I don't know if we've done this in years past, but I noticed it's I was motioning. When we were in eye formation he had motion to the side we were running it to. And our, our offense is predictive as it is and i think this makes it about 10 times worse what, what are your thoughts on that
0: well i'm certainly no offensive expert that'd be a great question for don patterson on one of the postgame shows but i would say this um it would it, you know common sense would tell me as a non-expert common sense would tell me that uh, typically you're going to have your fullback lined up on the side that you're running right i mean that's
1: so say so he'd line up on the uh it was an I formation, so he's right behind the quarterback. You motion to the right. Petrich would snap the ball about a second after that, run it to the right, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, and I get it, it's predictable. Um, and I'm but believe me, I'm the last person that would would argue with you that Iowa needs to become less predictable, but this is what they do. And it is sort of the, the, the Iowa thing. I and mean, it's sort of the Wisconsin thing to do as well, and as we've talked about. On numerous occasions, Wisconsin can get away with it because they have elite skill, position, talent, at running back, and they have consistent offensive line play. Two things that Iowa has not consistently had, even though the mantra or the perception from the outside world is that Iowa is dominant in the run game, and they're just simply not. They haven't been dominant in the run game, with the exception of 2020. They haven't been dominant in the run game, even when Chris Doyle was here. I know we got that, again, that got brought up on Saturday. I don't know the explanation for the run game. I have no idea how to explain it because... It has not been good for years. Um, it really hasn't been real great since Sean Green's year. You know, Even the 2016 team, I don't know how that offensive line won the, the Joe Moore Award because it wasn't great that year. So you cannot be that predictable. You're right. You cannot be predictable with your p- play calling when you have average to below average offensive line play and and uh, uh, skill, position, talent, at running back. You just can't, and that's why Iowa consistently is one of the worst offenses in the Big Ten.
1: I totally agree. <clears throat> One last question, Corey. Uh, I've noticed, I should say, what well, do you think uh, Petrus has tunnel vision on Laporta on most of the pass plays? It seems like Alec Wick had a couple opportunities to get the ball. He looked open on some plays, but <clears throat> I don't know. If Petrus, obviously not a coach, so I don't know his reads. But it looks like his eyes are focused on either Laporta or Lachey.
0: Well, certainly Laporta proved to be his uh, favorite receiver last year. I mean, he, he led the uh, lead, led the team in receptions, which you probably don't prefer if you're a Hawkeye, uh, a Hawkeye fan. You want your, your wide receivers to be more involved. But uh, I would say that, uh, yeah, that's natural that he would favor those guys. And you got to remember, too, I mean, he doesn't have a ton. I don't think, I think it's fair to say that, that Petra's camaraderie and chemistry with Alec Wick is going to be limited because – Alec Wick Wick hadn't been working with the ones until all these injuries occurred. Um, Now, maybe he got some run against the ones in the spring because I know Keegan Johnson was out, but I don't know that either. I mean, Alec Wick and Jack Johnson are really new to the fold here. And, um, you know, uh, until those until they get some guys back at receiver, which you're going to get Brody Breck back this week. We hope that Bostick, you know, Brian Ferentz made it sound like bostic has got a chance this week, and then Reganis not far off. I don't know about Keegan Johnson, what the situation there is, but um, I think that will help. I mean, if, if Petrus favors the tight ends before those guys go down, then certainly it's going to, that's going to be uh, heightened when they do go down, which uh, right now they're absolutely decimated at that position. All
1: right. Have a good night.
0: Thank you, sir. Appreciate the call. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I remember talking about that last year. It felt like um, Spencer didn't always go through his reads properly. And I've been told, you know, Tony Rassiope, had him on the show uh, a few months back, and he, he told me that he thought Spencer did a nice job, you know, going through his reads. But also you can't completely judge what Spencer's doing without understanding what I was trying to do in general. And Tony Rassiope is not responsible for play calling. All I know is uh, we're talking about simple fundamentals, people. Uh, in response to Saturday. And I saw time after time after time, Spencer had makeable throws. And I'm not trying to trash the kid, but it is a fact that Spencer Petrus had a lot of very makeable throws. Not to say that they were easy throws. He's a senior quarterback who's been working every summer out east with a, a QB's guru. Um, the misses that he had on Saturday cannot keep happening. They shouldn't be happening. Um and I think that comes down to pretty simple fundamentals. Don Patterson talked about it on Saturday, just the ability to make sure your weights on that front foot. When you come forward, and make that, make that throw. And that's a simple aspect of quarterback play, right? Um, I would like to think it's a simple aspect of quarterback play. And, and you could in time see Spencer throwing off his back foot, the ball's sailing high. So I, I think they got much bigger issues uh, right now at that position then okay he's locking in on the tight ends if anything i want him to throw the ball to the tight ends as much as possible because i don't have trust in what iowa has at receiver minus maybe arlen bruce thank you for calling from the hawkeye of the storm who's on the line
3: good evening Corey. how are you i am good who is this lomanski oh,
0: lomanski how are you sir
3: good uh, Spencer decommitted from Oregon State December of 2017 and enrolled at Iowa in January of
0: 2018.
3: Okay. How does that say, say that again? He uh, decommitted from Oregon State December of 2017 and enrolled with the Hawks January of 2018, according to 247. Okay. Uh, that's probably I accurate. Just, I was just listening to the show, and so I thought I'd just let everybody know when it all started.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't remember that signing day real clearly, but um, so he, he committed. I don't remember when he committed. He, In other words, he committed on signing day. Is that the early signing day?
3: Yeah, the 247 just listed, listed, lists him as enrolled with Iowa January of 2018 on campus, enrolled. Visit Iowa before visit Oregon State. Decommitted from Oregon State month before.
0: Right. So, um, yeah, that, that might be. He the committed. Case. Yeah,
3: he, he committed five days. I think it's five days after he decommitted from Oregon State. He committed to Iowa. Then he enrolled real quickly.
0: Right, and and of course, <laughs> I don't mean to pour salt in the wounds of Hawkeye fans who are frustrated with Iowa's uh, ability to evaluate quarterback talent. I don't necessarily think that this is a quarterback evaluating issue, I think to some extent you can make that argument. Iowa basically, uh, to sum up that whole process, and you can read up on it, I know it's been written about, but Iowa basically chose Spencer Petrus over Zach Wilson. That's basically what happened. And, of course, Zach Wilson goes to BYU, has a tremendous career. He's now a starting quarterback in the NFL. And that's just a microcosm. Iowa did the same thing with Matt Ryan years ago. Or I shouldn't say did the same thing. They missed out on Matt Ryan. I don't think they necessarily chose somebody over Matt Ryan. Um, but uh, Iowa has had that knack of, of just mi- barely missing on elite recruits on offense at, at the skill position spots. You think about Melvin Gordon. You think about Eno Benjamin. You know, those are examples. But uh, Iowa could have had, Z- very likely, would have gotten Zach Wilson. Now, would Zach Wilson be the guy he is now? My guess is he would not have. And I hate to say that. But... If Zach Wilson had been a hawkeye, Lomansky, would he be the starting quarterback right now for the Jets?
3: I lose you, Lomansky? No, I'm I'm pondering that. I <laughs> he's you know, Zach Wilson was a quality college quarterback.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I'm just, but let's be honest. He had to be developed when he got to BYU. I mean, I don't remember Zach Wilson as a freshman. I don't think anybody knew who that kid was unless you're a big Cougar fan. But my guess is that he was developed thoroughly at BYU. And when's the last time was developed quarterback talent? I don't believe he was. I'd have to look back at the rankings. I think Spencer Petras was the higher-ranked quarterback according to recruiting services. I, I don't necessarily think this is, an, this is Iowa's inability to recruit quarterbacks. I think it's Iowa's inability to develop them once they get here. And, um, no, that's why, you know, Lamance, cause you watch the show. You've been a part of the show a long time. You know that throughout the off season, what was, what were my two biggest things? It was go to the portal at quarterback and it was go hire somebody that knows how to develop quarterbacks. It was not fire, Brian. It was not fire Kirk. It was not, you know, go with Labus, go with Padilla. What do we, no, no, we need to get somebody who's been developed or we need to get someone who can develop. That's one of the, <laughs> you got to do one of those two things. I would did neither.
3: Well, you're banging the, the, the drum for um, who they, you know, such a great history of hiring assistants on the defensive side of the ball. And then uh, I get your point. If you had to compare Spencer to historically another quarterback that's been in Iowa's lineup, I did a little uh, statistical. Mark Rogers is starting to rub off on me, and you're starting to rub off. And I did some statistical historical look, and who would be a comparable? historically on the Iowa staff to Spencer Petras. Tough question, I mean, I, but I'm going to throw it at you.
0: On the Iowa staff? or I think you said Iowa staff. You, you
3: mean... Uh, to play quarterback historically for Iowa. I'm sorry.
0: Well, I'll tell you, I'm not much of an authority past the, the 21st century because, uh, heck, I was a tyke in the late
3: 90s. Um, How far back do you usually go? I should remember what year.
0: Yeah, I mean, my, my earliest memories – this is going to make some people feel really old – but my earliest memories of watching Iowa football were, like, 2005.
3: Well, I forgive you. Th- I mean, I was, th- I was nine years old, Lomansky. <laughs> yeah, I forgive you because in 2008 – I'm going to give you some quarterbacks in their last year. Jake Christensen's last year was 2008. He completed 55% of his passes – for 2,950 yards, his touchdown interception ratio was 21 to 9. Now I'm going to give you Spencer's. And I'm going, I don't want to say bottom to top, but I'm kind of, that's what I'm doing. Spencer Petras in his career, I got this off of NCAA statistics because I couldn't get it on the Iowa website for some reason, because I'm an idiot, but Spencer is 57%. I'm rounding, 57% completion record uh, completion percentage in his career for 3,583 yards, 19 TDs, 15 interceptions. And I'm just going to, I don't want to hog the show, but I'm going to give you the yards going up. So I just gave you, we'll call it 3,600 yards for Spencer. Uh, and I should remember Vander. I can't remember his full name. I can't read my writing. Yep. He had 5,786 yards, ratio 35 to 20, if you follow me. C.J. Bethard had 5,562 yards, ratio TDD interception 40 to 19. Ricky Stanzi, 8,297 yards in his career, 68 versus 23. Matt Sherman. 6018 yards ratio 43 to 32 Ricky Stanzi, 7377 56 versus 31 Matt Rogers 6725 41 versus 34 picks then you hit you hit Drew Tate 8292 yards 61 versus 34 And then you've got uh, the great Chuck Hartley, uh, 34 touchdowns versus 17 interceptions. His yards were 62-69. And then you've got the great Chuck Long, 70 TDs versus 46, the all-time yardage leader in Iowa history. And when you look at all those careers, and I sit here as a U of I graduate, family, two generations of season tickets had to give them up because of their cost, because poor farm family. But. When you're uh, trying to figure out what they're trying to tell us, because we, we can't develop quarterbacks, we can't recruit quarterbacks, we're so damn loyal, we're not going to let somebody uh, get on the field. And I just love what Purdue does. I love what Clemson the other night brought in their young quarterback to get on the field. He played okay. And so I just want to throw that out to you and your viewers because I must be an idiot. Because can't we get our young quarterback some playing time on the field? Interesting comment. And then I'll shut up and listen. Uh, It came from Kirk, I believe. He was asked a question about, you know, they were just bantering. And I really like Kirk. I like how he talks better than Brian. Brian's like me. He runs on and talks shorter sentences and clear. But Kirk said, I thought Chuck Hartley was QB number three. Because he wasn't a good practice quarterback, but he got in field, got on the field in a game, he played better. Man, I'd like to see how our quarterbacks play in the game. I'm getting, you know, like, well, God dang it, I'm starting to cuss.
0: <laughs> well, Mansky, par- so so part of the issue, and and you're right, I understand where you're coming from, but I'll say this: that part of the issue is Kirk was kind of, I mean, he was asked specifically i have to go back to the question. It was a good question, whoever asked the question. But it was basically, do you recall examples of players who were better in-game than they were in practice? And certainly I, I Hartlieb has been one that's been, I think, pub, widely publicized of being a better quarterback in the game than he was in, in practice. And so that is not a surprise that he said that. But the problem is you're you're kind of what isn't there a terminology for that when you kind of – Put your foot in your own mouth um because c- he he, he kind of was trapped because if you say no <laughs> if you say no then, then it probably you probably first of all have, have argued that in the past so you you kind of catch yourself there and and if you say yes now you're now you got people wondering well why don't you test that theory out this year and that's why i asked brian ferentz the question today at what point do you say let's let's make a change and see what happens and i you know have any I mean, problem with brian's response i didn't think it was it's not the response that I think fans wanted to hear. It was basically, well, I'm, you know, we can't talk about hypotheticals. The point is, in so many words, Brian said, we haven't gotten to that point yet. So I don't know because we haven't gotten to that point. Um, I agree with you, though, Lansky. I think QB play was so bad Saturday that at this point, I, I I absolutely agree. And I'm not the kind of person that says just throw throw caution to the wind and just just try crazy stuff because, you know, nothing's working. But in this case... You, you can't get much worse with quarterback play than we got on Saturday. It just doesn't get much worse than that. And again, it's not, nothing personal to Spencer. But whether you're talking about Alex Padilla or you're talking about playing a young guy in Joey Labus, I'm tired of the people that say, well, Labus isn't an option because he hasn't been here long enough. He's been here over a year. Okay, if, if he's not ready, if he doesn't understand the playbook well enough at this point to do better than what we saw Saturday, then it's it's much more than not knowing the playbook. Um, we have an issue right now, L- L- Lemansky. Let's talk about this for a second. We have an issue with developing quarterbacks. Okay, and I know we keep saying that. You asked, was it recruiting? Is it developing? E- evaluating? I think it's the biggest issue is Iowa's inability to develop quarterbacks because we're so focused on how complex this offense is that we don't allow guys to blossom in games. We're obsessed with playing guys who are older, and I understand that to an extent. And I understand that Iowa doesn't have the talent of an Ohio State or, you know, the talent of a, a LSU. I mean, you look at CJ Stroud, he comes in as a redshirt freshman. That's all kinds of records last year through for what 40 some touchdowns. So don't tell me that it's, it's not feasible that a guy like Joey Labus could be ready this year. Why isn't he ready? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Is he not good enough? Or are we just not developing guys quick enough? I, I think there's no question about it. Don Patterson has said that on the air that. Within a year, you should have the the playbook well learned. And if he doesn't have it well learned, then he's not working hard enough, right? So at some point, there's there's got to be accountability. I appreciate the fact that Brian uh, held the quarterback position accountable on Saturday, but now we have to see action. You have to see, okay, Spencer's not uh, cutting it right now. Is it our fault? Is it Spencer's fault? Regardless, we have to move on. We have to see if if Alex can do something. And I hate that. I know that's not. What you'd consider to be sound a sound coaching method, but man, wh- how much longer do you have to sit and, and watch um, ineptitude at that position to say, "Hey, we need to do something else"? And the problem is, Lemansky. It appears to me that, and that's why another reason why I wanted to ask Brian that question today, because it appears to me that the the buck stops at the win wins loss column, and the and so the problem is. I, I do believe, unfortunately, that, that we may not see a change until Iowa starts losing ball games. Because so much emphasis has been placed on Spencer has has got a whatever his record is. Is he like twelve and four or something as a starter something in Iowa? And there's been so much emphasis placed upon the fact that he's leading Iowa to wins when you and I both know Lomansky, that Iowa has won almost every game over the past two years in spite of quarterback play. That, that's a fact that they haven't won. I don't remember a game in the last two years that they've won because of quarterback play. Do you? I don't, I, I don't either. I don't think there have been, I, I hate to say that, but they have not won a game because of quarterback play and that's fine. I was predicated on the run, but the run hasn't been great either. It was, it was better obviously in 2020, but my point is, I think there's too much emphasis placed upon He's leading us to victories. When in reality, we saw Alex Padilla come in and lead us to victories. There's too much emphasis placed on wins, loss. And, and that's what's going to happen is Iowa's going to start losing games, and then we're going to make a change. And that's sort of what happened with the, the Christiansen-Stanzi change, right? In if I recall, 2008, when that change occurred, um, now 2007 wasn't great either. That was a, what, 6-6 six and, six and six year, I believe? I'd have to go back, but uh, I I think Kirk needs to under my my advice to Kirk and not that I'm qualified to give advice to Kirk, but if I was, I'd say, Kirk, just remember way too much emphasis is placed on a quarterback as far as uh, giving him credit for, for when your team wins Um, and vice versa. When he loses it, you know, he, he takes too much blame. And so don't let that hold you back from making a change before it's too late.
3: I just I just think you owe the student athlete. Well I'm a little more bolder than you are, Corey. I I coach youth basketball, so I think I'm half an expert. But when when you have when you watch Penn State's QB two go down and their season goes up in flames, that was due to the transfer portal, of course. Or you watch last year a big win over Indiana. And I guess I'm gonna blame I'm gonna blame the offensive side of the ball. Maybe not necessarily Kirk, but Kirk could do it too. Cheapers, that was a blowout. Let's get people on the field and give them some confidence. Like you talk about, uh, you know, encouraging athletes and giving them confidence is our. And here's what I think is a big smokescreen. We run the ball as much as anybody in the Big Ten, just like Wisconsin. Oh, that's a real complicated playbook to hand the ball off and let him throw a couple passes or a couple series that's a. i don't believe this this crap about the complicated offense that prevents quarterbacks from getting experience i mean so many teams get their younger quarterbacks on the field because people get injured and i've hogged the lineup a lot but i don't believe this crap about we can't get the quarterbacks on the field. It's a complicated office, and they can't learn. That's the biggest bunch of hooey I've seen since I watched my first Iowa football game.
0: I get you, Lemansky. I appreciate the phone call, sir.
3: You bet. Have a good night.
0: And then let me just say this before we get to our next call. Uh, I don't believe the Iowa offense in and of itself is any more complex than any other offense. I think Iowa really needs to look at how much... Um, onus you place on that quarterback, right, for pre-snap stuff and just getting Iowa out of bad situations. I don't know. Again, I'm no offensive guru. It's hard to even comment on these things, but um, that would be, again, I, I hope that some of you who are here tonight can can join us for the post-game show on Saturday. Hopefully we're talking about a win, but these are excellent questions for Coach Patterson. Maybe if Coach Patterson's watching, he'll uh, give us a call. Let's uh, take our next caller here. Thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Who's on the line?
4: Now, this is Pat from Minnesota. Hey, Pat. And uh, I just wanted to mention, I think Lemanski is really onto something there. I'm going to date myself. But uh, I remember way back when I was in college at Iowa, and uh, Errol Parsegan was taking his, his, his first year at Notre Dame. And he uh, had a sense about a third-string quarterback who was a senior who never had any game action. And he wasn't that good in practice, but he just had a sense about him. And he put him on the field the first game of the season. He went on to win the Heisman Trophy. His name was John Howard. So I just wanted to add that. So not only was there Hartley, who was, who was also one of those kinds, but but also a guy that went on to win the Heisman. I just want in, in defense of, of Spencer. I think I think he actually was worse. Unfortunately, when I went back and looked at yes. the tape, and I think you said that Corey the other day. And some of those passes should have been completed. But I wonder if he just hasn't doesn't have a natural sense of peripheral vision. It just seems like he's locked on a guy as soon as he takes the, the, the ball from center. Because he, he, guy, other guys have been open, and he just doesn't see them. And, and so he ends up throwing it sometimes when another guy's covered or two guys are there, and he's slow in getting the He's got a terrific arm. There's no question about that. He's got a rifle for an arm. But, but he just, it just it seems like he takes too long to, to make up his decision. So sometimes the ball gets there late or it's intercepted or whatever. Um, And I just don't think, I just don't know if he's really, I wonder if maybe there's too much technique that's been given to him and he's concentrating so much on his technique that he just doesn't have any natural skills back there anymore. I don't see any pump fakes. Um, And, of course, his mobility, I think we always go after a guy that's 6'4", 6'3", 6'5", has a strong arm. And with the kind of offensive line we have now, we need somebody that has mobility. Uh, At 79 years old, I think I'm almost as mobile as he is. I mean, it's just unbelievable how slow he is. But he he looks great as far as handing the ball off and running the offense. But that's all I've got. I just wanted to get your comments.
0: I appreciate it, Pat. Um, I would say, uh, first of all, in response to the comment about Petrus and peripheral vision, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's a factor or if it's more so I think I have noticed I noticed on one play the double. you may remember the double screen. I don't know if that was in the first half or second half on Saturday where
4: he just yeah, going for a touchdown.
0: Yeah, and the problem there to me, at least when I watched that play back, is it never it didn't look like Spencer once looked to the left side of the field prior to the snap. No,
4: you're right. I watched that too again.
0: And so again, without being an offensive guru, I look at that and I say, you know, that's probably not a good sign. Because he, he doesn't have a pre-snap routine that uh, looks consistent. I saw that. I remember that in the Michigan game, in the Big Ten Championship game. And I had this same discussion with Don Patterson. It does not appear to me that Spencer has a great pre-snap routine. Now, why is that the case as a senior? I, I don't have an answer to that. Uh, my one answer would be we don't have guys who are teaching a good pre-snap routine. And I would think that'd be something that Spencer would learn out east with Tony Rassiope. But at the same time... I mean, we do have a quarterback's coach. His name is Brian Ferentz. Um, and so, yeah, I think, uh, I, I think that I would point to that more so, his, his pre-snap routine. Um, and if, he, if he's not doing it well, and yet Iowa believes he's the best guy for the job, what does that say about Alex Padilla and Joey Labus? Because I think those guys have, certainly with Alex's mobility and Joey's uh, mobility, we keep hearing about Joey's ingenuity and in making plays on the run. Those guys must be terrible before the snap. I mean, I'm not saying that because I've seen them play terribly. I'm just saying, based upon what we're seeing from Spencer, I don't know what the edge is there.
4: and I think it's just a strong arm. You know, I think, and probably in practice, maybe he is the best guy in practice. But with that offensive line we have now, we need somebody that can actually run. And that's why, I mean, I I like Spencer. He's a great kid. I've seen him on podcasts and stuff and being interviewed. I think yeah. he's a fantastic kid, probably yes. a great leader. But I just don't know, for this type of offense, when we have a struggling offensive line, we need somebody that that can run with the ball.
0: I think you, what you just said, I think that needs to be reiterated, that Spencer Petrus is a tremendous young man. I have no doubt about that at all. And that's why I'm, I try to be very careful with how I criticize Spencer. You're never, ever going to hear me call him Spencer P trash. I understand why people do it. I get it. But to me, I don't need to do that. I'm going to place the majority of the blame on the guys who are not putting him in a position to succeed I agree completely. And so I do. I believe he's an excellent human being, a great person. But there are guys that sometimes when the lights come on, they instead of rising to the occasion, they shrink into the shadows and I, you know, you, ho- you you just keep wishing and hoping the best for a kid you like who's personable, who seems to love Iowa football and and I'm sure wants to be liked by the fan base. But at some point, the university specifically, I'm talking about the uh, the coaching staff. Those guys have to do what's best for Sen- Spencer Peterson. And I don't know at this point, you continue him to, to throw him to the wolves if you're Brian Ferentz and if you're Kirk uh if you're Kirk Ferentz, do you continue to do that? Is that doing what's best for a young man that you have a lot of respect for and who's going to be out in the real world in a few months? I, I don't, I certainly don't think so.
4: I agree with you completely. It's just a matter of, he keeps losing his confidence game after game. I'm hoping, I'm hoping in fact that Saturday he has a fantastic game for the kid's sake, sure. not only for the team, but also for his sake, uh, because he is really a nice kid. And I, and I hope that he does have a terrific game, but I just don't see it happening, unfortunately.
0: I understand, and and I you've seen him, you've seen uh, you've seen this uh, this offense for the last how many years, and specifically this offense with Spencer Petrus at the helm for the last uh, two years in one game. So uh, I, you know, that's why Pat, that's why during the off season, I I wasn't focused on uh, okay, how can we make Spencer Petrus better? I know that was the the coaching focus. My focus was how can we push Spencer Petrus? Who can we bring in that will push him? Whether it be another quarterback from the portal who's been developed somewhere else or a coach that knows how to push them. And Iowa didn't address either.
4: Yeah, I agree completely. And uh, thanks for, for doing these, Corey. Appreciate
0: it. Thanks for the call, Pat. Appreciate yep, it. Bye. Great calls. Great, great stuff, folks. And uh, we do have a couple people waiting here on hold. We'll start with uh, Thomas. Thomas is with us this morning or this evening. Thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the storm. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you doing? I am doing wonderful. Your thoughts on the quarterback position.
5: Well, my issue is they keep saying that he practices well, okay? But he's been practicing well for how long, right? So if it doesn't translate to the field to the game, then what does it matter if he practices well? When well, do you say when do you say, okay, the practicing well is not doing anything for us on the game in the on the game? I agree,
0: and I think it's um, unfortunate that the the picture has been painted that he practices that much better than Alex Padilla and Joey Labas. Because I don't believe, based on what we saw in the game last year, we saw Alex Padilla come in and be serviceable, right? He, I think he was just as good as Spencer Petrus. I understand his completion percentage wasn't quite as high as as Spencer's, but he, you know, he won games just like Spencer did. I don't think either guy let let the world on fire, but. I I think you're right. I think it's unfortunate that 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 picture has been painted. And even if Alex is not as good, even if Joey doesn't look like he's ready. I mean, again, um, some guys do rise to the occasion and some guys shrink away. And I I don't know how much more time you need to to convince yourself that, hey, we we got a guy right now that it's just not he's just not cut out for this. Or we haven't we haven't we haven't developed him. We haven't, I mean, because part of the development, I think the development process, especially a quarterback is mental. And, you know, perhaps I know that fundamentals are not a strong suit of Iowa quarterback play. And we saw that under with CJ Beathard, with Nate Stanley, those guys were not developed fundamentally. And you can put some, a large, I think part of the blame on Ken O'Keefe for that. Um, but my point is if he's, if his fundamentals are fine in practice and he's coming out on game day and kind of throwing them to the wind, then that tells me there's a, there's wires not connecting upstairs um, when those lights come on, and I, I think again I don't blame Tony Rassiope or Spencer Petrus for that. I probably blame the Iowa coaching staff for that.
5: Oh no, I, I completely 100% blame the Iowa coaching staff. The problem with Iowa's even their coaching staff is the fact that they uh, they prioritize check check throw away. Okay, they don't ever or they rarely throw up the jump ball they don't trust they don't seem to have trust they in a wide receiver
0: they, they don't really have anybody to throw up the jump ball right oh, now well, too throw it well, up to
5: right them. now but we have in the past and we still I get don't you. do it I get right you. they drill it into our quarterback's head if it's not a perfect situation don't throw it there that has been the case uh, ever well, since Kirk got there
0: i'll say this though thomas I, I don't remember ever seeing so many passes thrown out of bounds to the to the boundary than I have in the last two years. So I, I, I get what you're saying, but there were there were numerous. I remember, you know, even I think of one of Iowa's most inept offensive performances of the last five years would probably that be that 2019 game in Ann Arbor. You may not remember that game, but it was the 10 to 3 loss where Iowa continued to enter. Michigan territory and could never get into field goal range and actually score more than the three points they did score. And that was a Nate Stanley team. They took a <laughs> lot of shots in that game. They couldn't connect. So I don't necessarily, I mean, like Ricky Stanzi, he took a lot of shots downfield, picked off quite a bit. I know that uh, his situation was sort of unique because he had two elite wide receivers, two of the best in Iowa history. But I, I think this is more so an issue with this regime of quarterback play. I don't. I don't remember it being this bad.
5: You remember with Ricky Stanzi, something that they had to do when he first started out, he sucked. Uh, he had really, it took him a long time to warm up. Do you remember that? He would get, he would, the first half of the game, he would totally suck. Well, so, I, they, so they ended up changing his pregame. They ended up starting his pregame earlier. And when they did that, he started out the game strong. Do you remember that? They actually talked about it uh, in one of the interviews.
0: So I don't remember that specifically, but I do. I mean, I remember the Indiana game in 2009. And yeah, I remember, I remember him struggling early.
5: Yeah. So I'm just wondering why they don't, if they're, if they're stuck on Petrus, they they kind of do something, you know? I mean, if they're going to stick with them, Claire, you need to do something different. If not, then I'm sorry, but you got to give somebody do? a shot. What are you going to do? do different, Thomas? I, I that's the thing is I don't I don't know. I mean my my opinion is give Alex a shot, give Joey Lavis a shot. All right. Like this last game, I'm sorry, but in the second half, that was a perfect opportunity. It's not your defense is gonna keep you in it, right? That's your that's your mentality. So let him in there. Let him play a little bit. You never know. And that's the thing you don't know until you get him in there whether they're actually going to do something. You never know. He can have, you know, a Padilla can have the best game of his life. Just give him a chance. But until you do that, you're not going to know. Let me just say this. I,
0: I, I'll i tell you what I think would be the best move right now, if I'm Kirk Ferentz. My best move is to start Alex Padilla on Saturday against Iowa State and ride him. And if he's not performing well at halftime, Maybe put in Spencer. And if neither of those guys perform well, the, I mean, maybe you disagree with this as a fan, or people will think I'm stupid for saying this. If neither of those guys show out in the two, in the one half that they get a piece on Saturday, hopefully you can escape with a win. But regardless of win, loss, guess what I'm doing against Nevada? I'm putting in yep. Joey Lee, I
5: I'm agree, dude. About,
0: let's go. This is the, the easiest game on the schedule that we have left. Let's see what you got, big boy. You're going to have lights. You have lights on here in Kinnick at night game this is this is the this is the real deal and i would listen i would i would i would gain in my respect for for this coaching staff if they made that move do i believe they will no but that's how i would approach it maybe that's cool cool
5: yeah well and here's the thing right clearly we have a rough time with our run run game right so when our running backs were injured what did they do it passed to open up the run game. That's, that's what they had to do. So why not go to that mentality? So, uh, but with Labas, you actually have an opportunity to run. You just have a different run scheme.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely true. And I mean, let's, let's not, let's not sell Alex, Alex Padilla short. He's not, he's not Kyler Murray, but he can move.
5: Oh, I know. And he can scramble and he can do, you know, but I mean, the 2002 team was was when we had Brad Banks and he was scrambling, he used his legs. I mean, that opened up th- That's why I don't understand we've never gone back to that, is they had the perfect example of what you can do with somebody that can run a quarterback. And they I, never I, took advantage I, of it. I don't have an answer for you.
0: That has baffled me for years. It's baffled me for years that, uh, you know, you have a, a Heisman finalist in Brad Banks, and you've never, ever been able to e- even find a poor man's Brad Banks. And I have hope that maybe Marco Linez can be, you know, he's coming in 2023. And as, as you know, if you've watched my show, I'm high on him. But yeah, it is weird that, uh, you know you wouldn't try to emulate maybe they have and i'm just oblivious to it You know, maybe they p- thought peyton mansell was going to be that type of guy but boy i don't i don't think so <laughs>
1: uh, i there's don't
0: think yeah. you could target here's guys you could target target in the recruiting circle and i was not targeting those guys uh yeah they're targeting that's, guys like spencer petrus and carson may and nate stanley that's who
5: they're targeting but then that's that's the coaching staff that's the problem is they're so stuck on the pro-style quarterback that it's just we're, stu- we're stuck in the stone ages, you know. Even the NFL is changing. And here we are back in the golden age of football, uh, you know, just not progressing with the rest of the football world. I I, I get you. Yeah, I can't argue with it. You know, I, I appreciate your show, man, and <laughs> keep giving them hell. You know, it's I'm sorry, but
0: <laughs> and you, I, you, I hope you don't think I've, I've got no agenda to give anybody anything. I hope you know that I'm
5: just speaking. No, 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 no. You the thing is, I see you respecting their style, their 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 goals, their vision. But at some point, you have to you have to listen to the fans too, right?
0: I think the fans are the people that uh, are making, you know, selling off the games. So, yeah, you have to. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'm not saying that the fans should be coaching this offense, but uh, you get enough. Uh, I mean, but here's the deal, uh, Thomas. I, I said this months ago. Part of the reason why, and this isn't going to make some people very happy, but part of the reason why, things have been allowed to continue and why, you know, Brian Ferentz has been able to be promoted to the QBs position. And, you know, I was just doesn't care about going to the portal and it just doesn't happen at quarterback. And there's not really, doesn't seem to be this, this uh, importance placed on making this offense, at least good average to good, I think is partly because the fan base is so supportive you know, you, you, I, fans were mad. I know a lot of fans, at least to watch this show, were, were angry when when Brian Ferentz was promoted to QB's coach during the offseason. But what they do? They went out and sold out every game. <laughs> so, I, I, <laughs> you're not going to ignite change. I'm not telling people not to buy tickets. I want to see the, the stadium full. But, I mean, it's just hard. It's a hard situation to be in. You want to support your team because you love Iowa football. I get it. I'm going to be at a couple games this year. But it, it, it's, it does not... Ignite change, you know, and then it then you basically have to rely on the donors, the big donors to be fed up. And I think most of those donors are happy with eight, nine wins every year. And I was doing that despite the problems offensively. So it's kind yeah. of an
5: enabling situation. Well, and I understand because, uh, you know, if you're not happy with eight, nine wins, you end up with Nebraska scrap Frost problems, right? You, you potentially <laughs> get it. You know, you have 10 win coach and it's not good enough because he's not taking the national championship and now they're stuck with four wins. So I get it. And I you know I as a coach, uh, I, I like France. I like that he runs a clean program. Um, you know, he doesn't his players don't play dirty. They don't you don't see them getting into the trouble. And if they do, they get, you know, they get punished unlike some of these big name schools where there's guys that get away with a lot of stuff. I appreciate that. I just wish that we could be nationally relevant uh, at least once every five years.
0: And there's no way, let me tell you something, Thomas, there is nothing. I want you to know this because there are a lot of fans who will make, it will try to convince you that there's something wrong with wanting that. And there is nothing wrong with wanting that. And that's what people need to understand. If you are happy with eight, and nine wins, that's fine. You have every right to be happy and sit back and say, well, I remember the days before Hayden Fry was here. And you know, fine, that's fine. You, you can have that perspective, but also understand the perspective of someone young or old who says we have an elite defense. We have one of the best special teams coaches in the country. We had one of the best returners in the country. We have maybe the best punter in the country. We have maybe the best linebacking core in the country. We most certainly, I believe, have the best defensive backs coach in the country and Phil Parker. We can be elite, <laughs> but you, you can't be with putrid offense, and that's what Iowa has. So, no, there is nothing wrong with looking at it that way. And I can tell you, that I'm not going to name names, but there are former players who feel the same way you do. Just know that there are former players who are frustrated just like you. It's not you. You're not alone on that island. Like some people want to make you feel.
5: Yeah, well, you know, it's, I've been a fan ever since 1999 and just I, I'm tired of the every four years you have really good team and then it's just really crappy. I don't expect this to be Ohio State. I don't expect this to be Michigan. But come on, let's just be nationally relevant once in a while, instead of instead of being nationally relevant. Well, even nationally relevant. But I'm tired of like the Joel or what's his name, you know, the fakers. We're the fakers of the of college sports. You remember uh, a few years ago. Oh, when the, you're calling! We, calling we were, we, yeah, when we we're fifteen and zero, but we were fakers, right? That's the kind of shit that I'm tired of for Iowa.
0: I get you. Yeah.
5: So I, I appreciate your show, and uh, I think I've said enough. Appreciate it, Thomas. Thanks for listening. Thanks for participating. All right. Thanks. Bye. All right, we're rolling along here,
0: folks. I got uh, a couple callers on hold. Um, just seeing if we have our uh, actual call line open. So the actual call line is open. I'm just making sure. No, now it's not. Oh, now it is. People are having issues with the call line, maybe. If you're having a problem with the call line, I don't know what to tell you. Um, we do have Samuel, who's been patiently waiting on hold for a while now. And uh, actually, let's go back to that picture, Samuel. Look at that. As a pike in your
6: hands? Man, a lie. Where'd you get that? Oh, I caught that. Can you hear me all right? I can hear you just fine. Is it a pike or a muskie? That's a northern pike. I caught that uh, in a tumble, Iowa, fishing the river around here. Um, No, I just wanted to call in, and you're talking about Brian Ferentz and his offense, but, Mm -hmm. man, we fired Greg Davis after how many seasons of mediocrity? And I understand.
0: We didn't fire Greg Davis. Nobody fired Greg Davis. Well,
6: it's it, I mean, yeah, you're right. That's my bad. It's, it does seem like it was kind of a forced get out of here retirement though. I,
0: I, well, I think that was the, I think that was just like maybe
3: just the narrative. Yeah.
0: The, the Ken O'Keefe situation was part of a bigger plan. I think the Greg Davis hire was part of a bigger plan and that was that plan was to uh, give Greg Davis a few years before retirement and then make the easy transition to Brian.
6: Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, Brian Ferrance, has he ever cracked the top 50 nationally with his offense?
0: Uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to scoff. Uh, No.
6: Yeah, I mean, so... Well, no, but let's let's be honest. They
0: haven't, and I looked at these numbers. Let me pull up the numbers. I'm glad you asked that question. Let me pull up the numbers here because I have the numbers. I wish I could put them up on the screen for everybody. Uh, Maybe I'll do a video on this. Um, Let me find... Let me find those numbers. Let's see. Yeah, because I have a copy of the total offensive numbers over the past, like, 20, maybe 20 years or better. Um, okay, keep going with your topic. I'll try to find this.
6: But um, if if we could just even have a top 50 at best offense with the defenses we've fielded the last three, four years with Phil Parker at the helm, I mean, the team could be nationally relevant more than every once in a while. We could be competing for the Big Ten West yearly instead of every third year where we have to watch Wisconsin win or Northwestern, God forbid, squeaks one out again. It's just we're always, we're always the backseat driver of the Big Ten waiting for somebody to, to muff a kick. And here we are at Kinnick with an offense that can't even start just waiting on the same old fiddle to play at the end of the game.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I mean, I give Wisconsin tons of credit because that defense uh, um, with Jim Leonard up there is terrific. But, uh, no, I, I absolutely agree with you. There's no reason for I- there's absolutely no reason for Iowa not to be winning West titles every couple of years at the minimum. And, caller, I'm going to put you on hold here. So, if you don't hear anything, I'm going to put you on hold. Go ahead. Uh, I only hung up. Well, if, if first of all, let me just say this before you go on, Samuel. If I if you're calling the uh, the phone line and uh, I put you on hold, that's because we've got somebody else on the Streamyard line. So please don't hang up. If you call in, I'm going to put you on hold. You're not going to hear anything, but you
6: are connected. So go ahead, Samuel. So how long does it take with an offense like this before Brian Ferentz does finally, you know, catch a pink slip, get gets let go? You know, it. It's almost you know, a strong case for nepotism at this point.
0: Strong case? What do you mean? It's a hold on a second. What do you mean? It's a strong case for nepotism? What else do you call it? Yeah,
6: exactly. I, so seriously, I'm not how long can he keep his job, his job. at this rate, let's, rate let's, without that being a national storyline? I mean, any other situation? You think any other big name in college football? If Nick Saban's co- son was coaching offense at Alabama. And he had a bottom 100 offense back to back years. Nick Saban's going to let him go the first time it happens. It's not ever going to be a question of nepotism. But Kirk and Gary Barta are just fine with Brian staying at the wheel on the offense.
0: And, and, and Samuel, let me read you some numbers real quick. And keep in mind, we've over the past 23 years, we've um, shifted as it relates to number of FPS teams, right? 99, I think we had 106, or 2000, we had 106. I just have the numbers from 2000 to 2021. So basically- like 127 now or something. It's it, it's at 130 now, but okay. it started out in 2000 at 116. So I'll just give you their ranking without even considering how many teams were in the FBS in, in 2000, but again, it was at 116 in 2000. So the rankings, and of course, until 2012, every um, offense was, coached by ken o'keefe so 2000 they ranked 104th 2001 45th 2002 13th yes 13th that's not a typo 2003 92nd 2004 104th 2005 they were 22 2006 27 2007 109 2008 53 2009 89 Again, these are total offense rankings in the, in the FBS nationally. 2010, they were 57th. 2011, they ranked 76th. And then, of course, Greg Davis took over. And since then, Iowa has not had a top 50 offense. So 2011, um, they were, well, I haven't had a top 50 offense t- since 2006, but they were at least 53 in 08. 2012, they were 117. That was the 4-8 and year. 2013, actually a decent... I mean, compared to what Iowa has right now, they were 84th. And in 2014, they were 66th. And that year did not finish off on a high note. Of course, 2015 was the undefeated regular season. They ranked 72nd. And then Greg Davis, last year, they ranked 121st. So it was the right time for him to move on. But since then, Ryan Ferentz has been at the helm since 2017. We're looking at five full years of data. And here are the... Uh, rankings the national rankings for total offense for the Iowa Hawkeyes and there have been at least 128 teams in the FBS during the last five years the rankings are as follows 117 in 2017 92 in 18 99 in 2019 88 in 2020 and 124th in 2021 oh goodness They haven't. You asked if they've had a top fifty offense under Brian Ferentz. They haven't had a top eighty five offense under Brian Ferentz.
6: Yeah, that's got to say something. That's got to be one of those win or lose. If you can't produce a top eighty offense in the Big Ten like this, you got to move on from the guy. Look, I hate to do this to you. My phone's going to die. I'm a busy guy. But uh, (laughs) before I get off, I'll put the YouTube TV on here. Uh, what are your thoughts on Drew Tate ever being a quarterback coach at the university of Iowa? Do you think he's ever going to don the black and gold again as a coach?
0: Um, if I, if, if I had to guess the, the, the guess would be no simply for two reasons. Um, now could he come back in a future regime? Absolutely. If, if, you know, you have a, a head coach that embraces the past, like I think Kirk Ferentz maybe should do better. <laughs> um, I think that's possible, but I don't think Kirk Ferentz particularly got along with Drew Tate. Not to say that th- those guys aren't fine now. I'm <clears> sure that they are, but I don't think their personalities really meshed kind of like I don't think uh, Kirk Ferentz's personality meshed with Charlie Jones. I think it's kind of the same dynamic to an extent, except now you're looking at a the most posi- important position on the field and Drew Tate. Um, so that's one reason. The other reason is, you know, something's going to have to ha- – something's going to have to give with Brian Ferentz. I, I just – you're not going to have – how could that happen as long as Kirk Ferentz is here? I don't see – Kirk's not going to fire his son. Um, so unless they find a way to ease Brian on to a, an NFL job, which right now he's not very hireable due to the, the lawsuit that's up against him, um, I just – no, I'd say chances are no, that will not happen. But I wouldn't be opposed to it. We'll see how Drew Tate does up uh, at I. This, is, of course, his first year there.
6: He's going to be a monster. Hawks by a million.
0: Thanks, Samuel. Appreciate the call. Hawkeye Howard is here. Hawkeye Howard here as always. You are a faithful fan of this show, sir. Can you hear me all right? I can. You kind of like sound like you're in a well, but uh, I can
7: hear you. Yeah, that's because my mic is up on my camera. So, well, uh, I saw your uh, questions today, Brian. Uh, You like poking the bear, don't you? Here speak, speak, speak I, read his, I read his face. So speak like,
0: up a little bit, Hawkeye Howard. Did you say I like okay. did you say I like to poke the bear?
7: Yeah, I saw the interview with Brian Prince today. Okay. And, yeah, you poke that bear a little bit and, uh, <laughs> I don't like hypotheticals. And so I was like, um I was like, oh yeah, what's the hypotheticals? I would have asked him when he's gonna resign. So I didn't yeah. think it
0: was listen. I kind of expected that maybe Brian would say I don't I want, don't want to talk about hypothetical questions. I didn't think the I didn't think the question was unfair. Listen, no, I, I'm never going to go into fight. You know, if if I was gracious enough to let me be a part of any level of media access, I'm not going to go into that press conference and grill Brian Ference with with unfair questions. I'm not going to do that. Now, I, yeah. I'm asking him tough questions. I thought that was a fair question, but it also wasn't a softball. And yeah. if anybody missed it, the question that I asked Brian Ferentz was. What will necessitate making a change in your mind based upon what you know about what you see every day in practice from Alex Padilla, Carson May, uh, Joey Labus and Spencer Petrus? What will it take for you to make a change during the game? Is it interceptions from Spencer? Is it an injury? What is it that, that it has to come to? Mm-hmm. And his answer was, you know, it's kind of a help, hypothetical question, but he wasn't disrespectful. And I, I didn't feel like I was poking the bear. I felt like mm-hmm. it was a fair question.
7: I was just, I read his face a little bit. And kind of like he wanted to roll his eyes back of his head, like, oh, I didn't want to hear that. But, you know, like, but the GR, how many times he said practice? Oh, he did good in practice and practice and practice. I don't care about practice. It was about the game so didn't you hear that about practice all the time he kept bringing up practice uh
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah he wasn't he wasn't like alan iverson but yeah he, he brought it up yes so
7: um i also uh, as you said that a lot of ex-players are not happy and um i've seen that myself and uh heard that myself you know by a reliable source but uh, but in a way uh, I'm uh, this game here uh, Corey I don't think we're gonna win it I think the trophy is going back to Iowa State and you know me I'm a hot guy through and through uh, I'm predicting I was going lose
0: well I I, I understand uh, the the fear and I'm not saying it's not it's not um, reasonable. I, I do think that uh, the line right now is, what, three, three and a half? I think that's appropriate. Based on mm-hmm. Iowa's performance week one, I don't think you read anything into what Iowa State did against Southeast Missouri State. But I will say this, regardless if it means anything, that offense probably has some confidence because Levi Stevenson pointed this out. We had him on the Iowa live show with Mark Rogers yesterday. He pointed it out. Um it's very rare for Iowa State to put up numbers week one. They tend to kind of play down to their opponents. And so they didn't play down to their opponent on Saturday. Uh, it was a much lesser opponent than I think you're used to opening up with. Certainly, um, I don't think Southeast Missouri State, I think they pale in comparison to a South Dakota State, a North Dakota State, or and I at the FCS level. But it does give Hunter Deckers some, some confidence. Um, with that being said, you're, you're heading into a totally different environment in Kinnick, with that crowd and against that Iowa defense. So I've still got Iowa winning Hawkeye Howard. Um, my plan was to produce a uh, preview show today. I don't know if it'll be released tonight or tomorrow morning, but just for the record, I do have Iowa winning this game, but no, I think it'll be close.
7: Yeah. I, I, am very afraid of, I know I want Iowa to win. Don't get me wrong. I want Iowa to win, but with Spencer at the helm, I just don't think we can do it. I really don't. Um, uh, I watched another box. Uh, uh, box guy. He just said uh, Spencer's got to be the, one of the worst QBs he's seen in uh, quite a while. He uh, just, i was like, oh my God, why are we getting famed for bad quarterback play? And where does the change begin? Does it begin with Brian, Kurt? What do we have, or? even Bardo, do we need to get him out? I mean, where do we have to start? <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, the thing is right now, Hawkeye Howard, there's not there's not much you can do right now. Yeah. So the, the coaching the coaching changes, regardless of what coaching changes you want to talk about, um, those are changes you make during the off season. And the biggest the, the biggest frustration for me, I've said it a million times, I hope people don't people are probably tired of me saying it, but I've said it a million times. The opportunity was there. All right. The opportunity was there when Ken O'Keefe stepped aside in early spring. The opportunity was there for Iowa to go out and hire somebody who was qualified to coach quarterbacks. Yep. And regardless of it was the plan all along, I don't care what the plan all along was. That was an opportunity missed. And... You know, regardless of what happens moving forward, those are those are the moments I look back at and say, no, there is there are no excuses because you had an opportunity to make a significant change that could completely change. the I mean, you hire a Randy Hedberg from North Dakota State or, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of, you know, Bill. I even brought up Bill Lynch. I mean, he's an older guy, but boy, really successful offensive coach in his day. For you hire him for two or three years, boy, he can change the feel of that offense. Instead, you decide to stick with your son and Gary Barta allowed that to occur, and you're 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 going to continue to see the results of that. And I I hope that Brian figures this thing out. But it's uh, I just you know it's like the Scott Frost situation. How long are you going to wait? How mm-hmm. long are you going to wait for this thing to start working because he's the favorite son? You know, <laughs> uh, you got Scott Frost mm-hmm. who's the the uh, non-literal son, right? The favorite son, and Brian Ferentz is the favorite son, literally, of, of of Kirk's, and neither situation is working right now.
7: Yeah, as many people say, and I said it, you said it, and the last caller said it. We're on the edge of being a great team. We have good defense. You know, we have good special teams. We have the best defensive mind in the nation, by my by my eyes. and our offense can't get it together and we can actually be, you know, a national championship contender, but Kurt Burns has gotten his mind to be mediocre. And that's my opinion, of course. Um, so, and that's all I got to say. I'll keep it short and sweet and uh, I look forward to the next bro- broadcast and pod and
0: We'll just keep going. All right. Thanks, Hawkeye. I appreciate it as always, yeah. sir. Thank you. Always appreciate hearing from Hawkeye Howard. And yes, we do have a caller on hold. And uh, I promise your next in line caller, we've got uh, a uh, brief commercial break. Uh, we're going to first talk about uh, Josue Alvarez and the great work he's doing over at uh, Dewey Ford in Ankeny. If you need a vehicle, let me get rid of that comment. So I can give uh, I can give Josue his due. Check out Josue Alvarez <clears> over at Dewey Ford in Ankeny because he is doing terrific, terrific work. Uh, if you need a new or a used car, visit Josue. His number 515-776-1068. 515-776-1068. And here's the uh, here's the uh, caveat, Hawkeye fans. If you visit Josue. And find a used or a new car that you like, and you make a purchase through Josue at Dewey. Tell him from the Hawkeye of the Storm sent you, and you'll get a $100 gas card for Casey's. That's a $100 gas card from Casey's, but you must mention that uh, from the Hawkeye of the Storm sent you. Again, contact Josue Alvarez at Dewey Ford in Ankeny at 515-776-1068. So appreciate Josue sponsoring the show as always and also want to thank iowa floor covering doing great work down in the des moines metro area we'll be back after a brief message from our sponsor iowa floor covering welcome to iowa floor covering a locally owned flooring store in bondurant iowa that specializes in do-it-yourself Projects. If you're a contractor or a DIYer, Iowa Floor Covering has your back. Right now at Iowa Floor Covering, get tough core click together 4.5 millimeter waterproof vinyl flooring for $269 per foot when you install it yourself. That's a much better value than you'll find at any of the big box stores. Looking for other types of flooring, they can help with that too. Between their exceptional product knowledge and commitment to customer service, the guys at Iowa Floor Covering will provide everything you need to complete your DIY flooring project. So what are you waiting for? Skip the box stores now and visit iowafloorcovering.com slash DIY. That's iowafloorcovering.com slash DIY. Promotional pricing only available with self-installation. So appreciate Iowa Floor Covering for hopping on and sponsoring the show. And yes, don't go to the big box stores, choose someone local, choose a team that will care for your needs and your needs only. Again, that's Iowa Floor Covering and um, we'll continue to uh, give them shout outs because they are doing great work down in Bondurant. So again, Iowa Floor Covering. And uh, we do want to get to our next caller before we do so. I want to let everybody know I'm here for at least another 20 to 30 minutes. All right. I know it's 1030. Uh, it's not uh, technically my bedtime yet, so um, I, uh, I am willing to continue with these phone calls. We've had um, one person here patiently waiting on the line. Let's get to our next caller. Thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Who's on the line?
8: Zach, how's it going?
0: Hey, Zach. Appreciate you hanging in there for, let's see, have you been on the line for about 15 minutes? Appreciate that, sir.
8: No problem. Um... I heard it come up on the FS1 broadcast and I think I heard Kirk kind of speak about in the presser, um, talking about Petrus's issues with social media last year. Now I'm not one that I agree with your point. I'm not one to call him P trash or I think I saw on a message board someone saying he should, you know, have Tanya Harding kind of done to him and take out his knee, um, which I think is awful. Um, but I wonder how much of an impact that actually has had on him as far as you know, his, his mental game in a sense. Um, and also, what did you think of Kirk's uh, statement about Keegan Johnson being, quote unquote, away from the
1: team?
0: Um, that, that's a good question. And I saw a, a question in the chat about Keegan, and I don't really have a ton of information on the Keegan Johnson situation. I know there have been rumors out there about, you know, is it injury related? Is it personal? there has been nothing said that I've that I've heard from the coaching staff that has indicated to me that he will not be back on the field this year. Um, I, I know that, uh, he was at media day. He's the one of the few guys I didn't get a chance to, one of the few starters I didn't get a chance to speak with at media day, but he was there fielding questions. He was a part of at least some of fall camp. So I really don't know, is it health related? Is it something personal? Um, I don't have the answer to that question, but I would expect him to be to, – you hope he can return this year at some point. Uh, if he doesn't, I just don't know where you turn to a receiver because you just don't have uh, – You know, Reganey's not a guy who's going to pop the top off of a, of a defense. I think Keegan Johnson's your one guy who's proven he can do that. Brody Brecht is a bigger X-type receiver, but again, is he going to be your downfield threat? Probably not. Keegan at least proven, you know, proved last year he can do that. So, what was your other question, um, Zach?
8: Uh, with uh, Peterson, the social media stuff, because I know
0: okay. I think it yeah. did
8: bother him last year. I know I know Ferentz in the past has kind of discouraged players from social media for stuff just like that. But I know with he wanting to have players have a little more freedom, letting them do that and all that stuff, and I wonder if that's affecting him more than maybe people know
0: well i mean you know is it the chicken or the egg i mean what came Mm, first right um i I think it's (laughs) clear that uh there was a lot i remember there were people i won't say who but there were people uh, out there who should be somewhat in the know that i remember we're comparing we're were basically stating that they were they were being told that spencer petrus looked much better than Nate Stanley in practice. Do you remember that hype before the 2020 season? I do. Yeah. And so my point is, I don't think there was anybody that was ripping Spencer before that 2020 season. And I, I don't notice a big difference between what we're seeing right now on the field and what we saw during weeks one and two of 2020. To me, it's the same quarterback.
8: Right. And and like you, I was willing, I'm, you know, willing to kind of write off 20, 2020 was just a wacko season in itself Sure. with really no camp, no practices. And hello, you're on the field. Have a nice time. Sure. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I, I liked your questions with Brian. I think the one with the press or with Kirk, I think you actually said to you yeah, a lot of softball questions. <laughs> um, but <clears throat> I do. I do hope for Spencer's sake that that maybe it's just first game jitters and offensive line play. And I'm glad Brian Ferrand said, you know, the buck stops with me. I'm hoping it does. Yeah. Um. But
0: <clears throat> yeah, I mean, he can you know, say oh, that all he wants, but that what does right. that mean? What does it actually mean? If Brian Ferrand says the buck start, stops with me, what does that mean?
8: Right. I mean, and I think it, he said, you know, it's about he, you know, he's getting trying to get back to his fundamentals and you know and yes logan jones was a couple steps off and so was the offensive line but you know you're going to have that in every game Sure. even in the years that iowa had an amazing offensive line offensive line occasionally sputtered it happens
0: (laughs) yeah and and let's just Re-established the offensive line was not good on Saturday. Nobody's claiming that it was. Logan Jones is a first-year center. He just switched positions this past offseason. So there are going to be growing pains. Am I concerned about the development of that offensive line and now that we're heading into year two and it appears that there haven't been significant strides? Yes, I'm very concerned about that. And I don't know what else you point to other than the fact that they don't have Brian Ferentz as their position coach anymore. And I think he probably would be a darn good offensive line coach. I don't I just based on his performance, at, at, you know, they were they weren't great offensive lines under Brian, but they were much better than we're, we're seeing right now. Um, the other factor is Nate Stanley was a guy who he was a statue, but Nate Stanley actually was compared to Spencer Petras much more mobile and was hard. A guy who was hard to bring down. I mean, he, the guy broke tackles. He, he made some of the most physically impressive plays as a quarterback. A six foot five quarterback at Iowa that I've ever seen. So,
8: yeah, well, that is nine yard quarterback sneaks.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, um, my, my point is, my, my point is, I think there's no question about it. Iowa's in a situation right now where, you know, you got a second year offensive line coach, you got a guy in Brian Ferentz. who's not coaching a position he understands, and you lost your strength and conditioning coach just two years ago. I, I just think all those things are combining to problems up front and, and it does not help the quarterback position but they're not i mean they are to some extent i shouldn't say mutually exclusive but i mean that that there are problems with each individually is my point and we don't have yep. to place all the blame on one or the other there are problems with both yep
8: and and i know in the past i've i've you know, seen uh, interviews at the end of the game. I know Kirk Perens always says we're not a statistics team. I think he cares more about turnovers, time of possession, and the W. Yeah. Which in years when you're blowing people out, you know, 48 to 10, you know, kind of in the 2002 year where they were mostly blowing people out, it's easy. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but, yeah, that, I'm I, like I said, I'm hoping that you know, first game jitters are finally over. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know how it's a three-point line, I guess, unless they're considering home field and the north end zone, uh, you know, hurting Iowa State like it did Penn State and like it did, San Diego, like it did South Dakota State last week. Because it seems like when teams are in the north end zone area, they're getting false starts like almost every other play. Right. Um, which... Yeah. Iowa could say that's their 12th man on the field.
5: <laughs> yeah.
8: And I know, and, I think Ferentz had said in his press there too, if he has an overtime, he's going North end zone.
0: <laughs> and, and there is hope this Saturday. And part of it is that home field advantage because Iowa state, let's just be happy that Iowa does not have to go to Ames this year.
8: Yeah. Um, and I hope we make, you know, uh, I was open to see someone like Jaden Patterson or even an Addison Ostringa last week. Um, but I know also Iowa usually in the first couple of games they keep it very vanilla. And maybe they give some of those players a chance cuz who knows. Yeah. I mean, who 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 knew about Warren Holloway really before the 2005 Outback Bowl. Capital One Bowl, but yep. Capital One Bowl. Yeah, sorry.
0: Yep. Yeah, yep.
8: You're right. One of those Florida bowls we always go to. Yes,
0: <laughs> I agree with you.
8: Yep. Yeah, well, keep keep doing what you're doing, everybody. You know, like I thought, smash the like button. Um, I like I like I like these shows. These are fun to listen to. Uh, go Hawks on Saturday, and hopefully, post game show will be a lot more cheery than it was last week.
0: Yeah, and I I'm, I want to make sure everybody knows I, I don't come on these uh, these fan shows to uh, just try to bless everybody with my knowledge believe me that's not what i'm trying to do Uh, i just try to you know get you guys involved and and uh we'll save the breakdown Mm -hmm. for when we have people that know the game a lot better than i do
8: yep it's it's just fun fun to have something else to do
0: absolutely i'm with you all right sir appreciate the call have a great evening appreciate all the calls this morning and the call line is finally open nobody in the queue i do not believe and my last uh um task here is to get through some of the chats that I've missed. I've been behind. Um, Logan says, Iowa sucks. Go Badgers. Oh, we got some Badger fans in here. That's that's good to hear. Um, did miss a couple here that uh, were from earlier. Pete says is new offensive line coach Barnett, George Barnett, treating these guys with kid gloves instead of football tough? That's a good question. Um, that, you know, I, I can, I can say this, there've been a lot of injuries during the off season and I'm not saying that guys are certainly not trying to imply that, that guys could be playing through injuries. I just don't remember a time where there have been this many injuries over the course of the last two years. It just seems like guys are constantly out. So I would place that either on lack of strength and conditioning, um, or just a really weird condition, uh, weird coincidence. It just seems odd that these last two years, since Chris Doyle has been gone, now George Burnett's taken over the offensive line. Guys are just out all the time. And it's not just the offensive line. Guys, we know the wide receiver room is decimated right now. But the common denominator there would be strength and conditioning, the changes that that room has dealt with since um, the 2020 offseason issues. Thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Who's on the line? It's James. Hey, James.
9: How you doing tonight, Corey?
0: I'm hanging in there. I, I don't really feel like I, it's so weird not being on this show with someone like Don Patterson or, you know, Tavian Banks. It's hard for me. Like, I know that maybe I don't give off that persona, but it's very hard for me to come on here and just talk to myself. I and mean, I'm gr- glad that we've had enough callers this evening, but um, I'm just glad people want to interact and chat because I, I'm by no means some offensive expert.
9: I mean, I try. I'm not a very offensive expert either, but, I mean, I'm about, probably about as good as you. probably know more than me. But, uh, like, I was just thinking a lot about, like, what you were saying tonight and stuff. Like, you know, 1.1 QBR is what Peters had, right? But, like, if Levis had that, I think it'd be different because, you know, he's younger. He hasn't been there for four years. He's not a senior. You know what I'm saying? Like, it would be like, okay, we can grow with it. Like, we can – maybe he can learn from me. But when Peters does it, it's like a bad thing because he's been there four years and his fundamentals shouldn't be off. He's been there four years, a three-year starter. I don't understand how your fundamentals. You're a Division One quarterback in the Big Ten. How is your fundamentals that bad that you are making so, such bad throws? Like I'm not trying to say he's a bad quarterback. I just understand how his fundamentals are so far off when he's a Division One Big Ten quarterback. If that makes sense.
0: James it makes perfect sense and I think the only way to answer that question effectively is to say I don't believe I believe I do believe Kirk Ferentz and Brian Ferentz when they say that Spencer Petrus performs really well in practice and I think that's the disconnect right now I said it this is probably the third time I've said it on the show but I believe yeah. there's we have good reason to believe that Spencer Petrus is a guy that is a better quarterback in practice than he is in games and I think his fundamentals in practice are probably really, really good. Remember, remember, like two months ago, James. I don't know if you're on Twitter, but do you remember two months ago when that that video went viral of Spencer Petrus throwing that 80 yard bomb at the Manning Academy?
9: Yeah, I've seen it. I don't remember where I seen it, but I have seen it somewhere.
0: Okay, well, people wanted, to, you know, people were losing their minds over that. Oh, this guy looks like a, you know, a new man. There was no rush. Okay. There was no defensive back. He was able to set his feet and not have to worry about getting hit or a pocket closing around him. And I think that's the difference when when the lights are off. And, and I'm not saying he did. You don't have pressure performing in front of Eli and Peyton Manning. Certainly, there's pressure there, but it's different when when you've got uh, even FCS defensive linemen running at you, and uh, you know you you've got seventy thousand fans there who are screaming their heads off, and in between plays there. They're starting to boo when you make a bad play. I get it. Uh, there's pressure, and I just don't see Spencer handling the pressure like, oh, I don't know, a Nate Stanley did. Say what you want about Nate Stanley. He didn't have great fundamentals, but the guy made pretty darn good plays under pressure, yeah. in my
9: opinion. But you also look at Nate Stanley, too. like when he was, Yeah, when he was throwing under pressure, the throws were still not as far off as Peters. Peters would throw a lot high. He'll throw a lot to the ground. He never really throws him more perfect. It's more to the ground or high. To more people, when he gets pressure, when Stanley got pressure, more of them were still in the range to be catchable. Petrus is definitely not in the range to be catchable as much as like a Stanley was, even though Stanley didn't move at all.
0: I I think that's fair. Yeah, but but again, I, I just go back to my previous point that you don't have to have like there. There are some guys who are not going to ever have good. I mean, I don't think Nate Stanley was ever the epitome of fundamentals. I know when he got up to Minnesota the Vikings, they there was a report. I don't remember who it was that that uh, reported this, but I guess somebody in the front office made a comment about how Nate Stanley basically had to be retaught fundamentals when he got there. So that tells you a couple things. A, it tells you, I was not teaching good fundamental quarterback play, which would explain why, you know, they, they've had to rely on guys like Tony Rassiopi out east to teach guys like Spencer. Um, the other thing it tells me is, Nate what you had in practice was probably the same thing you have in games and that's why we don't hear like it's very rare that we hear I don't know the last time I remember an Iowa coach Brian or Kirk or anyone talking about Spencer struggling with fundamentals other than in the games um, that doesn't seem to be an issue in the offseason I can't imagine that it would be an issue in the offseason because Tony Rasiopi's. yeah I mean I have no doubt he's working with Tony nonstop in the summertime but it doesn't translate to games so what other explanation do we have other than he's not the same guy in practice that he is in games?
9: Yeah, and and I don't, like, I'm a, I'm a high school basketball coach, so I don't understand that excuse because, like, I see kids, and, like, I get people say, oh, he's a great kid, right? Of course, a lot of kids are great kids, right? But some of them just don't, and I get high school and college is a different, like, level. I get that. But some kids just don't have it to be on the court, you know what I'm saying, or aren't good enough to be on the court, or don't, like, yes, they look good in practice, but they're not good enough in games to be on the court. And you gotta understand that at some point where it's like, you gotta do his best for you to, like Kirk already has his job, so maybe it's different for him, but you gotta do his best for you to keep your job. You gotta play the best people you that can stay on the court in that retrospect or on the field, that can help you win games. And I don't know if Petrus right now is that answer. I guess you. i I guess he was good, and yeah. he was good in practice, but just because he was good in practice doesn't mean he was good in the game. But another thing I had was look like the you know tweets and like how like you know everybody was talking about like social media and how people talk like there's no room for people to talk. People should not say anything bad on social media. I don't agree with that. Like like I'm talking about like calling P trash or calling that like or saying like he should get his knees taken or Whatever. I don't agree with that part, right? But you go to any level, like if you went to the next level, right, it'd be ten times worse maybe than it would be at Iowa because. Especially if you're a starting quarterback. You know what I'm saying? No matter where you go, people are gonna talk a lot of crap and they shouldn't be talking like bad about anybody really. But they're going to and you gotta understand that you gotta just fight through it at some point. I think he kinda lets some of that stuff get to him where he just gets like the booze. I think kinda got to him. But I understand maybe it shouldn't have booed, but they have every right to boo because we've seen this for how long? He's thrown one touchdown and nine interceptions in the past. Seven games, and we want to try to be as successful as we can. And it's hard to win the West when you have a quarterback that plays like that.
7: Yeah,
0: uh, don't I can't decide, I can't argue with anything you just said, James.
9: But I just want to say I appreciate you with the show, and I know it's tough. But I mean, you never know because it is Iowa State. So, like, even if the offense looks bad, you know if we have one of the best defenses out there, and we have probably the best partner in the nation. I'm gonna say that right now, in my he's the best partner in the nation. But So we always have a chance to win no matter what, but it's just like we just hope maybe he gets better or the closer you can see something, then maybe they'll play a different quarterback. But like one more thing for me is like the pocket, you know, I said something about this on Saturday where like, you know, he didn't have the most of the time, right? He didn't have some time, right? But the difference between him and Padilla and Labus is I think Padilla and Labus would step up. They would find a way to make the play. You know what I'm saying? Or they would step up in the pocket. He just stands there and watches people come to him and doesn't really step up in the pocket to try to create space. Even Stanley did that a lot of times when we were playing people. He would step up in the pocket and make the throw. Petrus doesn't really step up, so then he can't really make the throw because there's somebody coming right at him, if that makes sense. Instead of giving him time to step into the throw and make the throw, he just stands there and watches them come right at him like,
1: yeah, to play,
0: it's but, a complicated issue. I just I, I don't know what else yeah. to uh, to say about it. It's uh, but, it's not working. It's all there is to it. It's, not, it's, it's just not is, working. All
9: we can do is just see how many wins we can get this year. And hopefully we can be the best team we can be, you know, and no matter what, I'll root for them, whether they win or lose. and I don't want to be as a downer, but I always say this. At some point, one of them teams that we always be is going to get us, just hopefully not this year. You know, I just got to keep fighting and just keep uh, hoping everything goes well and I appreciate you and I uh, hope you enjoy your night.
0: Thanks, James. You as well. Yeah, I, I you know I'm gonna keep uh, I, I keep want to have keep wanting to have these interactions with with you, the fans, and um, as me a fan uh, because that's what I am at heart. I'm a fan, right? Um, but I also don't know what else to say about the the Spencer situation because I, I hate to just keep beating a dead horse, and it's not fair to Spencer. But the coaching staff has put Spencer in this position. I said that earlier in the show. They have decided to continue to throw him to the wolves and you know, he's not getting it done in the game. (laughs) You're just, you're to me, you're setting the kid up for failure. I don't know what else to say. You just, you're setting the kid up for failure, regardless of who, who is at fault, right? Who is in, who is at fault with the the lights with the shrinking back when the lights go on, who whose fault is that? I, I, you know, maybe the coaching staff knows we can just speculate, Regardless of of whose fault that uh, that falls on, uh, you know it's you you're you're not doing him any favors by continuing to put him in those difficult positions, and um, you, you just know social media is social media. I mean, you're gonna get guy, you're gonna get fans who are critical regardless of your performance. But certainly when you're performing at an all time low level, which is what Iowa's getting right now at quarterback play, I don't remember the last time Iowa had this type of quarterback play. And we had Lamansky call earlier and gave us some good stats about. Uh, former Iowa quarterbacks and their numbers. And y- you do not want to be in a position where you're a detriment to um, the cause. And right now, I think Brian Ferentz is in a situation where he has to not only weigh what's what's a de- what's in the best interest for Iowa and what's in the best interest for Spencer Petras, who I care about as a human being. And I think the answer to both questions is one and the same. And that's unfortunate because I, I really like Spencer, but it's it's like, a, you know, when you have a, a child, right? When you have a child and you, you know, tell that child that he can't go out partying with his friends. You know, 14-year-old kid. Okay, 14-year-old kid. You, he can't go out late and party with his friends. And parent says, well, it's because I love you, kid. All right, so I love you, Billy, whatever his name is. I, you know, you it's that's the truth, right? If you've been a parent, you know that. I've been a parent. And I understand that principle, right? You don't want anything bad to happen to that child, and even though in the short term that child is probably not going to appreciate that decision because you're you're taking away something he enjoys that he wants, just like Spencer wants to be the starter. What's best for Spencer may not be to start. That's the thing what we have to realize. What's best for Spencer Petrus may not involve being the starting quarterback at Iowa. And I think what's best for Brian Ferentz and what's best for Kirk Ferentz is, is a Spencer is not the starting quarterback at Iowa, at least not right now. But again, they have to come to those terms, those real that realization. I, I see another question in the chat about a conversation we had with Brian earlier today. Um, did he answer the question, Christopher? Uh, he answered it in his way. I, I, he didn't want to talk about hypotheticals and You know, I don't know. I mean, how exact does he need to be with that answer? I would have accepted, we'll know when that time has come. Because obviously it hasn't come. I mean, it it hasn't come. And if I was, you know, Spencer's QB coach, I probably would be able, I wouldn't be able to sit there and say, well, we need to see four interceptions and we need to see, you know, no, I mean, I think as a coach, the hope is that you have some intuition to realize, hey, uh, we need to make a change now you know, it's we're midway through the second quarter. Let's make a change, you know, in the locker room or, you know, we're, you know, this past game, you may make a change during, during the week. I mean, I think as a coach, the, the idea is that you have that intuition and, um, that's, I wasn't trying to trick Brian Ferentz or make him, uh, kind of trip over himself or his own words, but I, I, you know, he answered it the way he answered it. Appreciate this reminder from Pete. Please do hit the like button folks. If you are here, um, Mike says, uh, What's the best, best case for Iowa's offense? I think the best case scenario for Iowa's offense, Mike, is it is, is simply getting the run game going, right? With LaShawn Williams, you get Gavin Williams back this week. Can you at least average 3.5 to 3.8 yards per carry? That's not asking for that much. But if you can at least do that, I think it takes pressure off regardless of who's quarter, you know, quarterbacking. We saw in 2020 Iowa's ability to win with Spencer Peters. Frankly, we saw that last year. Their ability to win with Spencer Petras, albeit against a much weaker schedule in 2020 was not murderer's row either. Wisconsin was down. Minnesota was down. Michigan State was down. But you've got to be able to run the football better than they did on Saturday. Um, and and certainly, I mean, my answer to the question should be best case scenarios if Spencer Petrus just starts, starts throwing darts. But at this point, I don't believe that's realistic to expect him to just flip on a switch and become a guy that he is not. So realistic. Best case scenario is that this line gets better from week to week and they can at least generate rushing yards because right now, at least in game one, boy, it was not good. Pete, if Spence and Padilla really are close, as Kirk Ferentz says, why the hesitancy putting Padilla in? I I don't have an answer to that question. Um, I don't know that Pete that he's ever really said that they're close or how close they are. I know he's he has expressed confidence in both guys. But I think certainly level of confidence is different. I think that's obvious because there seems to be an extraordinarily long leash for Spencer Petras, much longer than we saw for even well, I don't know, Jake Christensen or uh, trying to think of other examples. Even Jake Rudock. I mean, I think Rudock, Rudock wasn't bad in 2014. I know a lot of fans wanted that change, but they made the change, albeit in the off season, um, to to CJ Beathard, and it worked out. But certainly the leash was not nearly as long for Jake Rudock, who, by the way, we're talking about Spencer Petras being a great kid. I think by all accounts, Jake Rudock was a tremendous young man, very, very intelligent, very well spoken, very polite. I've never heard anybody say a bad word about Jake Rudock. but the leash does seem to be longer for Spencer for whatever reason, partly because I think part of the reason for that is you don't have as nearly as much confidence in Alex Padilla as I did in CJ Beathard. I think that's how you'd sum it up. Hawkeye Bernie. You're at the bar. You're taking an ISU. You're taking an ISU eight or an Iowa four. Um, I, I guess I'll need you'll need to explain the question. Are you talking about the line? Would I be more confident in taking ISU by eight or Iowa by four? I'd be more confident in taking Iowa by four, Hawkeye Bernie, because I do think Iowa's going to win a, um, and I do believe Iowa will score a touchdown this weekend, right? I do believe that will happen. We haven't seen one this year, but I do believe that will happen. Uh, Alexander says, uh, "How much longer do you think Kirk will stay? Let's say the offense is so bad that it drags the team down to four and eight. Does he? Does it push him to retire? Or does he ride it out?" It's a good question, Alex. Um, if that were to occur, uh, certainly the ball's still on his court. He's not on the hot seat. You Nobody's know, going to be firing him. But I do believe that something would have to give with Brian. I don't think because if he's for four and eight and the offense is really bad. Brian ain't going to be here. I mean, I just don't see any, any way he continues to, I, I don't know any way you could possibly pull that off from just a PR perspective. So I think Brian would, would go, you know, whether he'd have to take a step down, which I don't think he wants to do for obvious reasons and go get a job as a position coach somewhere else, or, you know, try to find a job in the NFL. I don't think, again, he's real hireable right now, but, um, I think all bets are off if that happens, Alexander, because I mean, I think Kirk right now is hopeful that he stays long enough. Brian can figure out the offense and it'll be an easier transition to make him the head coach. But if that ship sails, which I think it's already sailed, frankly, I don't know if Kirk believes that. But if that ship sails, I mean, Kirk could be done the next couple of years or he could be here till 2029. I don't can't imagine him being here seven more years, but that's when his extension uh, runs out. James impact for Brody Breck not this week Uh, what is the impact for Brody Breck not this week I don't know how much he will play this week but I'm talking about the rest of the year especially if the injuries still mount to what they are listen James if he's you know uh, Brian and I think Kirk both mentioned conditioning being a challenge for Brody he's been out with an injury played a lot of baseball in the spring they need him you know he's one of just two scholarship wide receivers that have been reported to be healthy you hope Bostic's back for this Saturday you hope Nico Regani's back for the Nevada game you could probably survive without Reganey for that game, but you want him back before going on the road, back to his old stomping grounds out east for the Rutgers game. Um, but yeah, Brody Breck coming back and, and being a, a threat, boy, that'd be big. You're absolutely right. That would be big. Um, last call on the call-in line or the stream yard line. The call-in line is not busy. I'm sorry for the confusion there. I'll put this up one more time before we uh, finish off with the last few chats that I've got here. Uh, let me find the number, maybe. 515-635-1601 or you can find the link to join the StreamYard uh, studio by uh, the link in the description below. Um, Thomas says, um, I hope that Iowa comes out Saturday and shuts Iowa State out. That would be uh, nice. Uh, I don't believe that will happen, but... Boy, it's, it's just hard to do what Iowa did Saturday, holding any team to three, um, and that was a good South Dakota State offense. I do think, I, I like Hunter Deckers. I didn't see a ton of him uh, in that Southeast Missouri State game, but just the way he played, even against Iowa last year, he came in relief at Brock Purdy. I thought he looked composed. He's got a really nice, fluid throwing motion. He's a lefty. Um, I, I like him, and I think he's gonna be he's going to be a good one. Now, will he be able to respond in his first true road game of his career? I think that's a major question for Iowa State fans. Um, Silas Soul says can the offense get can the offensive play get any worse? Um, from Saturday probably not um, if 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 you're uh, if you're asking me seriously, Zach says Do you see Kirk ending his career on the same trajectory as as Fry and I hope I sure hope not you know Hayden Fry's health was going downhill. I wasn't, you know, really following Iowa age three (laughs) uh, or age two, whatever I was at the time. But from what I understand, I've got conversations with coach Don Patterson. I don't think Hayden's, you know, his health, it was just unfortunate where he was uh, in his life. And I, yeah, did he stay a little longer? Probably. And I know Kirk Ferentz brought that up when he was hired, that he would not stay as long as Hayden Fry did. Um, And here we are. I think he's, I can't remember how old Hayden was when he retired, but Boy, Kirk is sixty-seven years old now, and I just—you just hope he doesn't wear out his welcome. But Zach, the one way he might do that is by allowing nepotism to be in get in the way of the best interests of Iowa football, and you just don't want to see that happen. Because I really do have a lot of resp- respect for Kirk. All right, we'll end with this. Sam says Hawks roll, predicting a victory. I'm assuming from Sam, I will be here tomorrow, folks. With a uh, let me take this banner down. I'll be here. Tomorrow, with a preview, it will not be a live preview, but uh, it will be a preview, a short preview for Iowa, Iowa State. Um, we'll also have my picks for the week, including the Iowa State game. That'll be released tomorrow. Uh, I'm trying to think what else we have on the docket for the next couple of days. Of course, Iowa post game with Coach Don Patterson. Um, if you're interested in sponsoring that show, you can reach out to me. Uh, the emails in the bottom ticker from the Eye of the Storm at Outlook.com from the eye of the storm at outlook.com. I'd hardly ever mention this, but if you are interested in donating to the cause here from the Hawkeye of the storm to the channel, you can find links for Venmo cash app, PayPal, uh, any way you want to donate is much appreciated. Again, the links are in the description below to donate to the channel. And again, we'll be back on Saturday. We'll be back. We'll be here next couple days. We'll be here with the uh, Iowa content. But on Saturday, we'll be here for Iowa postgame with the one and only Coach Don Patterson. Um, And, of course, that will follow the Iowa... Let me see if I got a banner for that. I think we do. Uh, It'll follow the iowa State game, which, of course, is at 3 p.m. So our our show is, I believe, scheduled for 3.45 p.m. Central time on Saturday. For some reason, I'm not... uh, not seeing it here, but again, if you want to sponsor the show, reach out to us from the eye of the storm at outlook.com from the eye of the storm at outlook.com. And we will continue to wait for a change in Iowa's offense. Will it occur this week? Is there a hope for the Iowa offense? I'd like to think there is. I just don't really know where it comes from. Folks. We'll have to wait and see Iowa, Iowa state Saturday, 3 PM central time. We'll be here right here from the Hawkeye of the storm for Iowa post game with coach Don Patterson. Have a great night.